0: Hey everybody, I'm John Small. And I'm Dan Bova. And from the Entrepreneur Media Podcast Network, this is Dirty Money. Investigators have called it one of the biggest corruption cases ever. You're one of the greatest con men of all time. You're the daddy of them all. But what does it take to be a good con man? I'm not guilty. You're the one who's guilty. Dan, how you doing?
1: John, you scared me.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I scared myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very, very oh fragile, you know. I you know.
1: Yelling at me like that. Uh, I'm doing, I am doing well, and I'm, you know, I, we usually talk a little bit at the top, but We've got a really good episode, uh, and I, I don't want to sure clutter is. it up with, with me babbling about something, but I'll let you babble about something
0: if you want. No, 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 I no no banter. This this one deserves, we'll get right into it, because we are about to be joined by Charlie Webster, who is an investigative journalist uh, and co-host with none other than 50 Cent of a podcast, which is called Surviving El Chapo. Now, this is a really awesome podcast i listened to the first season which i encourage you all to do but she is about to drop her second season of surviving el chapo on october 4th dan i don't want to give away too much here but let me just let me just kind of lay the ground of what this show is all about because i had no idea i did did you have any idea i i didn't you know i i was
1: excited about this because el chapo i'm sure you know most most people have heard of him, know he was this like Uber drug kingpin, you know, he was the Pablo Escobar of, of our generation. But other than that, I didn't know that much about him, about thing, the way things worked, specifically about how his operation worked in America. So this this story is fascinating.
0: It really, really is. And the way she found this story as you'll find out has its own twists and turns which is pretty incredible. So, basically, we're going to talk about Jay and Pete Flores. We're going to talk about their rise and ultimately their fall as some of the biggest drug lords to, you know, operate out of uh, North America in the last, you know, 20 years. They're identical twin brothers from Chicago and their upbringing is quite illuminating as to why they would actually choose the life they tr- chose. But ultimately, they became so big that they connected with none other than the the drug daddy of them all, El Chapo. They were part of the El Chapo family until they weren't, until they decided to turn on him. And that is what Charlie is going to talk to us about. She's going to talk to us about how they built their drug empire, really just like any business, but how they ultimately decided, even though... At the top of their game, when they were, you know, dealing in almost two billion dollars worth of drugs a year, they decided to change their lives and to basically turn on El Chapo. So it's an incredible, incredible story.
1: Well, let's get to it. Uh, we, we have Charlie w- waiting in the wings.
0: Charlie Webster, welcome to the Dirty Money podcast.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited.
0: Yes, yes. Tell us a little bit the origin of how you even found out about the twins, the Flores twins.
2: Oh, my gosh. How long have you got? (laughs) Right. Let me see if I can do it (laughs) It succinct. So I found out about them through 50 Cent.
1: I don't know what you heard about me.
2: 50 Cent found out about them. This is such a bizarre story. And actually, funnily enough, I've seen people online, including some rappers, question whether this is true. And I'm gonna put it out there and I know it's it's hundred percent definitely true. So Fifty had a necklace stolen and it was like the first G unit piece. Uh, when he first did his big album, um, Get Rich or Die, Try It, in, back in the day. And at the time, the twins were on the streets of Chicago. They were only young, I mean, God, like maybe even 18, 19 years old and just started in the drug trafficking business. But by the way, at that point, they'd got like a million dollars of cash by the time they were 17. And this necklace gets stolen. Um, long story short, the twins managed to get it back. So they gave it back to 50, but instead of extorting him for money, they were like, you know what, 50 cent, we're going to, you know, give it back. So they gave it back and then they, well, they didn't keep in contact. That would be strange. Um, But they, you know, they kept that relationship and that trust and then obviously didn't hear from each other again until all this time later. And then 50 heard about them in prison and was like, oh my God. They're the identical twins that got me that G-Unit necklace. Oh, wow. Chain. I'm calling it a, I'm calling it a necklace. But, like, yeah. you know, if you're listening and you can't see, I'm wearing, like, the most dainty necklace. Trust me, it wasn't dainty. It was, like, a it
0: massive, G unit. d chain. Yeah.
2: Yes. Very different from the chains that I wear. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, that like weigh your head down. So, 50 was talking to me. And he was telling me about this project and he'd never done an audio project before. And this, you know, he was building, you know, his production company and getting more into producing away from music. Obviously, he's just done a huge tour. So, you know, really wanted to push the producing side of things, especially in Unscripted. So had a conversation with me and they just were about to come out of prison. So they came out of prison. I was like, right, let's have a conversation with them. And so I started to have a conversation with them and it was the most incredible conversation because, you know, I didn't really know if they'd know anything about me or knew how I was and, you know, did they, would they think I was just some British, I don't know, woman who hasn't got a clue, but we related to each other so much and we ended up spending three hours talking about post-traumatic stress disorder, oh, wow. PTSD and trauma and mental health and our upbringings. Because I come from quite a chaotic upbringing, nothing to do with drugs, but, you know, it was I, from a very underprivileged background. My mom was, had a, had me as a teenager, you know, and we talked about kind of what that instability was like. And then we ended up connecting and, you know, I've built this relationship with the twins. I told you it was a long story. I'm trying to cut it short. That's good. And, good story. <laughs> and we <laughs> we spent, and I think, you know, when you make, you make stories, so trust is so important and We spent six months talking every week for hours before I pressed record. And when you tell stories, I think there's so much work that goes on behind the scenes. And for six months, we spoke, myself and the twins, Pete and Jay, Flores, for six months before I even started to arrange to record anything. And we built that relationship because this story was so important that they felt they could talk to me, that they felt that they could trust me and open up to me because it is it's a lot of trauma involved. It's very emotional. It's family. There's there's um, a lot of money, which we'll talk about involved. But there's also humanity, family, death, and they've spent a lot of time surviving. Right. So they don't just trust anybody. And it was really nice because so I remember Pete said to me, you know, you're the only person that spoke to us like we were humans mm. and acknowledged us in that way. So that's how this all came about.
0: And fifty also had this well, obviously he had this relationship through them, but also because he had, like in his background, there was some drug dealing, right? And stuff like that. And I think he says in the top of your show, like, had I not found rapping, you know, this this might have been my fate as well.
2: Yeah. It's yeah. like he had you know, a gun in one hand and a microphone in the other. And I think right. what I try and tell with this story is, you know, it doesn't, doesn't justify anything, but I always think there's so much in between what we see as this like good, bad, black and white. And there's so many things in between and how you can take that path because, you know, maybe you were, you were born into a life that, I mean, I say this in the podcast, like you're born into a life that you didn't choose and you have learned behaviors and, 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 you know, sometimes it is about survival from the minute that you're born. And I can relate to that myself. And, and it's easy to go down those roads. And, you know, we're very good at judging and saying, you know, well, I wouldn't have done that. But, you know, if my father was a drug trafficker that groomed me to deal with drugs, maybe that's the route I would have gone down.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about that. So let's talk about their origin story here. So they're they're from Chicago. These are two twins. Are they're identical twins? Yeah. And they um, they're born in in a in a poor part of Chicago, like in the projects, I think. But tell us about like their their family history, like who their dad was and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, they were born in a place called Little Village, which has a big Me- Mexican population in Chicago, and their father was quite an infamous drug trafficker of those parts. And um, he went to prison when, you know, their mom got pregnant. He went to prison and was in prison for the first seven years of their life. And I think, you know, everything seemed fine. And then he came out of prison. And there's this amazing picture, which is really powerful, of these two seven-year-old boys in little suits and bow ties waiting for their father to come out of prison. And then they said everything changed like that. Everything changed. Their father comes out of prison and he takes them in his car across the Mexican the, the border to Mexico with drugs stuffed in the tanks of the car under the engine and use the twins as bait in a way or in, as an excuse, oh look, I'm just a father and I've got these two little boys in the back of my car right You don't need to check my car, I'm not a drug trafficker and he used them back and forth back and forth and then taught the twins as seven year olds i mean you don't know any different at seven years old and it's not like you can go you know not you know what dad i think you're doing the wrong thing here is it or right. you can't exactly escape at seven years old you're dependent on whoever your parents are whatever they do um and so they used like i don't know coke uh, coke as in the drink coke yeah. <laughs> coca cola <laughs> To like wrap um, the weed up and and the different contrabands, and they would take he would take them back and forth across the border to deal in drugs and they they sat there and they you know they said that this was actually in the first season how they were just so nervous every time they went across the border because they knew that something you know they didn't quite know what it was but they knew that it was wrong um you know and and they count they learn how to count money at the kitchen table and and then in the end their their father actually blamed one of their other siblings um for for some other drugs and he ended up getting put in prison because of his father and um and then it happened again and then the father had no one left to blame and then he ended up escaping as a fugitive to Mexico and taking the boys with them and then in the end they didn't want to live in Mexico so they came back over to Chicago and lived with their older brother um, and then their older brother gets arrested and then they were left in Chicago on their own with piles of debts that they had to sort out. They had to raise the themselves.
0: U. Yeah. How old were they at this yeah. point?
2: Yeah. They were like 14 yeah.
0: or 15. It's like party of yeah. five but for, for like uh drug lord. Jesus.
2: Yeah. And then, <laughs> you know, God. and then and then some some contact comes knocking on their door. Well, your father's not here anymore. Your brother's in prison. So you're going to do it now. And that's how it all started.
1: Right. I'm sorry. Did I understand you right? Did he did he throw one of his sons under the bus when he was about to get arrested? Yeah. He blamed his son on his on his crimes. Wow.
2: Yeah. Great. Good guy. guy. A lot of great people
0: in their family. I mean, then their older brother is like a Latin king. He's like a gangbanger and. Yeah, they so in some ways they didn't really have a chance like to ever like lead a straight yeah. and narrow life, right?
2: And yeah, and you know, yeah, exactly. And you know what, John, that that brings it to through the second season to where we are today because that's why they made this decision. And I remember speaking to the U.S. government because I wanted to hear what they had to say in that side of the story. You know, keeping true to the twins though, because. This podcast is really telling the insight of what happened. It's not me trying to get all these different perspectives. And the US government said to me, um, you know, the US attorneys that dealt with this case and the El Chapo case, which I'm sure we'll talk about. They said the twins were winning. They were winning. They were at the top. They had millions and millions and millions, maybe even more. Maybe I'm underestimating it. They were at the top. They were about to become El Chapo. They they turned the whole thing in. They s- ripped their whole life apart when they were winning, which I think is really interesting. Not because they were at the bottom, because they were winning, because huh. they wanted to change their life, because they didn't want their kids to do exactly what their father had done to them. They wanted their kids to have a different chance. And they switched their whole life, but then are still facing the consequences today. And it's a fascinating twisty turny tail and some of the stuff i'm like my god if i made this up and made it up even more made it even more ridiculous i still couldn't make it up as twisty and turny and as weird coincidences as this
0: i want to get to how they became so successful because i mean you figure there's so many people that try to get into the, you know i know i know so many people in the drug trade and you know there's some people that have failed I don't know anybody. Do you? No, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> I anybody. Say,
2: I was like, do you?
0: <laughs> I, I actually know nobody. I, I, I you know, I got to open up. I don't know. Maybe there's an opportunity there. A side hustle. But anyway, um, no, but uh, like it seems to me that there's probably a lot of people who try to get into that game, but don't, you know, you know, when they're like mid-level. These guys rose to the top. Now, of course, they had some training since they were young, but what was it about their the way they did business that made them so successful, do you think?
2: Oh, such a good question. Because at the very end of... Um, I don't want to spoil anything, and I, I will answer your question. Okay. But at the very end of the second season, which is just about to come out on the 4th of October, um, that I read Jay's resume, because he wrote this resume to people like Jeff Bezos, to people, you know, these top... Cr- footsie 100 people these big ceos and the letter is fascinating and the resume is fascinating so going back to your point was they were businessmen and they really emphasize this that i think what made them so successful is their duo because they were twins so i'm not sure as individuals they could have done what they did but they had very compatible personalities so very differing personalities but they were so tight and they had that incredible loyalty because they were identical twins that i'm not sure you have with anybody else really i mean they were born together they were never on their own they made every single decision together and i think that their relationship is fascinating and that's one of the things that they were so that's why they were so successful but also i've met a lot of people and told a lot of stories and not sure I've quite met some people as clever as they are they're extremely naturally intelligent and again when I spoke to the us attorneys that dealt with their case they also said the same thing very 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 clever people but I do think as a whole as 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 identical twins is what really led them to success because you're not i don't know it's really hard to trust people right and especially when you get into that game they their own fa- they turn their back on yeah. each other all the time. And I mean, Chapo killed people because somebody wouldn't shake his hand, you know? Mm-hmm. So I really do think it was about that relationship. And it's interesting because when they did end up going to prison, um, oh, there's a bit of a spoiler. I'm going to give a spoiler alert. If you okay. don't want to know, just pause for a second. But um, in prison, yeah. um, they, which is is really interesting in season two, they actually got split up they weren't supposed to be split up. They got split up and it was the first time in their lives that they'd ever been apart from each other ever. Mm. And they'd ever had to make decisions on their own since they were out. Well, ever because they came out of the womb together. Right. Yeah. And, and they struggled and they had to, you know, they even communicated in like twin language and Mm. there is a thing called twin language. So even communication, they had to learn how to communicate properly. Right. Right. And, Yeah and so they talked about taking each other's traits on because they couldn't manage on their own because they were so reliant and huh. codependent on each other's traits fascinating. Yeah. But you hear that one of them's like Jay's a bit light quite light, very positive, uh, very personable and Pete is a little bit more um serious, mistrusting, reins Jay back in a bit. So you've got like yeah. any
0: good business, you have partners that kind of are very different than each other and kind of, yeah. you know, complete each other, like wads yeah. and jobs. And
2: and they, you know, they they learned logistics. Sorry, John, to answer, to further answer your question, they learned logistics. And in season one, they worked in McDonald's and they learned supply and demand and, you know, the production line through McDonald's and then translated it through drugs. And, you know, part of their cooperation was to teach the US government about the logistics of how people drug traffic. Super, super smart. And they always found a solution. I remember they told me a story that, um, I shouldn't laugh because it's not really funny, but um, they they were having problems where the sniffer dogs would, you know, take take their load, you know, realise there was a load, smell the load, and the, the US government would raid the, you know, lorry and take the load, right? And that obviously causes problems. There's drug debts and and stuff like that. So they learn that if they put the drugs in the top of the cab, you know, on like a big truck at the top, the sniffer dogs couldn't smell it. So they were constantly like finding these solutions and, you know, steps ahead of anything else.
1: Wow. Uh, You know, how disruptive are those when they do get rated like, how big of a debt is it? Did they regard it as this is the price of doing business? Or is it like devastating? Like, Oh God, now we're in this big hole.
2: You're exactly right. Ex- what you've just said is what they say that it's just the cost of doing business. Mm. You win some, you lose some, and you have to invest to be able to get business. It, the concept is f- strangely the same, because even though it's drugs and it's illegal, it's criminal and it's still running a business. It's still logistics. It's obviously just that you have to do it under the radar a little bit more. But then as we know in this world, there's things that we think are legit, not saying anything, but like banks, Uh. trade, (laughs) like, you know, and they're doing underhand stuff, right? So it's just like running any logistics. It was really interesting because they talked to me a lot about like the logistics of everything and I'm like, I never really saw it as a logistics business. Which mm-hmm. basically is, yeah, is right. kind of what it is, because they were the biggest drug traffickers in North America at the time, and their job, they were the people that bought coke over to North America, and they were the people that made sure there was cocaine, which there was a demand. There's a demand for cocaine in North America, so it's a it's basically supply and demand and logistics. And Dan, to to go to what you said, it was well, you win some, you lose some. Let's think of a solution. And actually, every time they stopped and took that load, it actually gave them a solution to things and they got better. Wow. And Mm. in a a weird way, it helped them. Yeah, right. And they were also always in in debt is the wrong word, but they always were upfront with their money. So it was always in advance, Mm. which I thought was quite interesting as well. So it was always about collecting the debt collecting the debt, collecting the debt. And that's what happened when they went into prison. There was so much money and debt on the street that was owed to the brothers because it's always up upfront up in advance that they invest the money into the drugs and then they get paid later.
1: Did they talk about how... Um, John, I swear I'll let you talk... Um, (laughs) did they talk about just quickly, you know, protecting themselves? So, uh, you know, a truck gets stopped, obviously the person driving the truck gets arrested. How did they, uh, did they talk about making sure that that person kept their mouth shut?
2: Yeah, that's a good, good question. Um, not as much. I think they did a lot of protection of their workers and they were also, one of the things I think surprised when they were cooperating in the US government was that they were so hands on, whereas you've got somebody like a drug lord and a kingpin like El Chapo or El Mayo, they're disconnected from from it in a way and they have their lieutenants and their workers, whereas the twins didn't trust anybody. And you know what, John, going back to your question, that's another reason why they were so successful is because they had about 100 phones each, right? and then every single phone had a different person attached to it so as soon as that phone was compromised it would be a new phone and they gave phones wow. to everybody so they had a phone for each person so they had that and it was just constant ringing and it was always to them so they didn't have that lieutenant ring line huh. line underneath them like the cartel did because everything was ran by them because they didn't trust anyone. So Dan, when it comes to somebody, you know, getting caught and arrested, they didn't know anything. So even if they did, they didn't know anything to be able to tell because yeah,
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. it's such an interesting question because that leads to the question that you asked John about the success because they kept everything under their control so much that they could, yeah, they could keep an eye on everything and not compromise anything. And they didn't.
0: Yeah. So the micro, it's good to micromanage in this case. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's the lesson. Don't, delegate. don't, yeah, don't delegate. Yeah. Don't <laughs> delegate.
0: Yeah. Um. Well, let's talk about how they got into El Chapo's universe. So El Chapo, I, I feel like needs no introduction, but he is the probably the most famous drug Lord of the, of the last, you know, 30 years. And yeah. And they were part of, I guess they were getting their drugs through a connection through his cartel, right? I mean, that's sort of where it was coming from. He was definitely involved in their business, uh, but they didn't really have much communication with him directly or even his top lieutenants. So how did they get, can you, without, spo- I guess you tell me what you want to spoil and not here, but can you tell me how they got got yeah. involved in his universe or how they first met El Chapo?
2: Yeah. It's so interesting. So, right. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. See if I can do this <laughs> concise. So, so the twins are called Jay and Pete. Yeah. So, Jay's the more optimistic, upbeat one. Mm-hmm. Pete is the other one. Pete got kidnapped, and for the second time, he got kidnapped first in Chicago, mm-hmm. um, and. Which interestingly, they always I take Pete. It.
0: They never take Jay. I don't know why. They always take. No,
2: Pete. I know. I don't know why they take. Maybe Jay's too positive. <laughs> Bad luck.
0: <laughs> they yeah. take
2: Pete. I know. I feel sorry for Pete because that's actually a bit of a bugbear between them. <laughs> like- Pete, so yeah, because they they you know they they argue quite a lot, and there's a when I was recording the podcast for both seasons, there's a lot of a lot of these stories they've never discussed ever, to, oh, not wow. not just publicly but even between them, ever. You know, so at one point it's like, well, I got kidnapped all the time. You don't know what that's like. Yeah. And Jay was like, yeah, but you don't know what it's like trying to, trying to save you,
1: which right. is also
2: stressful.
1: Right, right. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah. So so he got kidnapped. They, yeah. So how did they come uh, to be Al right hand men and part of his family? Pete got kidnapped. And turns out, they didn't know El Chapo at this point. Um, turns out El Chapo kidnapped Pete. And Jay was like, oh my God, El Chapo's got Pete. And he, they helped him in a really bad way. I mean, like he was, when they managed to rescue, when they managed to get him, he was like about to die. So Jay manages to meet El Chapo because of the kidnap situation. And El Chapo's like, you owe me $10 million. And Jay's like, no, I don't owe you $10 million. I, I don't owe you any money. And Chapo's like, no, you do. And then it turns out his uncle, Jay and Pete's uncle, had actually stolen that money. This uncle had said that it was the twins got that had got this $10 million, that had stolen the $10 million, but it wasn't. It was the uncle that got the $10 million. So Jay said that and then Chapo was like, well, prove it then. So then Jay goes with one of Chapo's lieutenants to the uncle and records him. And this is where their twins got the idea to record Chapo from. they actually from Chapo himself. So Chapo says, record him. Here's the tape recorder. I want you to go and buy. So records the uncle you know, gets it on tape, Jay takes it back, all all the while Pete's, you know, starving, locked up in a you know, locked up, kidnapped, you know, treated awfully, not eating anything. Um, and Jay goes back to Chapo and says, you know, look, here's the proof. And Chapo goes, Ugh, can't believe he's done that. But anyway, I still need my 10 million. Mm. And Jay's like, What? But I've shown it's not mine. Well, it's I still need to. But we're a family.
0: Million. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So then Jay has to go and get gather the ten million, give gives Chapo the ten million. You know, I suppose does it might be a strange word to use, but does all this with grace. Okay. <laughs> um and then Chappo eventually lets Pete go because he's about to die. And they they leave Chap uh, sorry, they leave Pete somewhere in the wilderness so jay has to try and find him in the wilderness manages to get him and then you know pete told me actually in all seriousness that after that it totally changed him and he's never been the same again Mm -hmm. but interestingly um i said well you know would that not make you want to get out of this and pete said no he said he wanted to but it just made him more more vigilant and actually wanting more power because he felt if he got more power he could protect himself better and you can kind of see that psychology anyway chapo then says i want to work with you too i want it's you like to come and work for me yeah yeah and i want you to come and work for me because of how you conducted yourselves and i want you to to work with me and then they ended up jmp ended up becoming chapo's Right-hand men is probably the best way. Not lieutenants. They became his biggest, you know, they supplied all his drugs to North America for him. And they actually became like family.
0: Mm. Wow. They really knew him. What is the most horrific st- I don't know why I want to know the most horrific story, but can you reveal one of the most horrific stories they told to sort of explain how scary a person El Chapo was?
2: yeah pretty much um yeah I can think of a few well actually I'm sure there's, there's loads because I think in the end they said he confessed to killing like 2,000 men was it I mean that's directly by his own hand that's obviously I think he's killed a lot of people indirectly but 2,000 by his own hand wow. which is just I mean Dan you're shaking your head it's Yeah. Uh, it, you can't even comprehend that really can yeah, you? yeah
0: no I know it's but it was interesting because they said that when they talked to him, or at least um, uh, Jay was saying when he first met him, he was sort of like, he just reminded me of this old man, like the kind of people that my yeah. father used to hang around with. Like, he wasn't yeah. personally that intimidating. It was like more like who he was that was intimidating. But like when you actually met him, he wasn't like the kind of person you'd be like, he's scary. You know, he just looked like an old man I, with a wandering yeah. eye. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, wonder Yeah, I don't wonder eye. Yeah, I remember that now. Um, yeah, he just said they had this like wondering eye, and he He's was like, wearing who this at? Like tr- trucker's trucker's cap, and you know, just was this normal old man. Yeah, and just reminded yeah. him of his father. But you know, I think with any of these people, right? It's it's not about that. We have this perception of the this like. You know big, scary six foot whatever monster with all these muscles, and it's but power and power and power and control isn't about physicality, is it? you know he had he controlled everything and he had that much power, and that to me is more powerful than being six foot whatever and have all these this physical strength because he controlled everybody and he had thousands of people working for him and actually millions on the take. You know, he had the majority, I think it was 3 million people that ever employed were employed by the Sinaloa cartel in Mexico. Yeah, and then he had, you know, all the police on the take and that's how, I know, sorry, I'm going on a tangent, but that's how when he first escaped from prison, that's how he escaped from prison because, you know, he had people on the take on the inside in Mexico and that's why in the end they, you know, the U.S. Um, applied for extradition because he would just escape again if he was going to be in, in Mexico because I have how many people that were on the take by him. But yeah, no, he wasn't a, a scary man. But one of the stories I do remember, well, he was a scary man, I just mean in, <laughs> yeah, in physicality. Yeah, I, I wouldn't really like to be in a room with him. Um, so, <laughs> you know, one of the stories I do remember is, well, I do know that apparently, you know, this whole, the whole war um that started between you know with the Sinaloa cartel um when they fractioned um was because somebody wouldn't shake Chapo's hand and then he you know he killed them and then they had that whole war and um, because somebody wouldn't shake his hand. And then one of the stories I remember was um there was somebody like tied to a pole um you know handcuffed tied to a pole that had been beaten and killed. Um And they were just, you know, it was just like a normal conversation that they were having about about a load, a load of keys, you know, a load of cocaine. Um, And then I do remember Jay telling me a story where um, somebody he knew, his brother, um, you know, had had done something with Chapo and then um, Chapo, Jay had to actually save his life. And Jay was like, you know, no, I can vouch for this person. I can vouch for this person. Don't do it. Don't do it. And that's how much Chapo trusted the twins and had respect for the twins because they weren't, um, and look, I'm not, I'm not here to have an, well, I do have an opinion, but I'm not here to judge either way. And I'm not saying, you know, what they did was okay, but that was one of their things is that they never, they weren't violent. And they said, you know, they were just businessmen. Obviously what they were doing was criminal and it was wrong. um, But, you know, they weren't, ever interested in that side of things and that's just not who they were they were just super smart businessmen that were making a lot of money and wanted to make a lot of money
0: do you feel like they're telling you that but me i'm just gonna be honest because i wondered <laughs> that when i was listening to the, the to the um podcast like they seem like decent like they're just running a business like they're they're good guys they're smart guys they're charming and you know i but i wonder like can you be in that world and be that successful and not ruled by a bit of fear and violence it just you know maybe i've seen too many movies but it definitely crossed my mind
2: yeah no it's it's an interesting point because look i i'm not people can say what they but i'm not a naive person and i'm also always a bit like oh and and look under things and i'm a very you know i look under a million things to try and now i'm a journalist so i always suspect things and i'm also of that nature you know i wasn't I wasn't brought up in a picket fence with nice flowers around it myself, so mm-hmm. you know I thought the same thing. And I actually challenged them because when they went, "Oh, we didn't kill anyone," I went, "We well, did. You killed people indirectly." And within my own family, I've lost somebody um, through overdose. And I said that to them, and mm-hmm. I was like, "You have indirectly killed a lot of people." Right. And Interesting. They just I'm glad yeah, you they sat yeah. there and, and they were like, "Ah," and I think it was the first person that had challenged them. And then we talked about cognitive dissonance. Well, mm-hmm. basically it's, you know, you convince yourself of something else, of that you didn't do anything wrong so you can live with yourself, right? Cognitive dissonance. And, you know, they were like, you know, we've probably got cognitive dissonance so that Yeah. We can we can look in the mirror and live with ourselves. Um, but I don't I really don't believe that they did use violence. I felt like they used power. I think they used the power of being who they were. Oh, you're the twins. Yeah, we're the twins but i actually think they were one of the reasons why they were so successful was because they were actually charming people and you know they were very good at that's why chapo used them they were very good at you know they're master salesmen they're master negotiators yeah they could mm-hmm. they, i reckon they could convince you of anything so they they used their power through through that really um but i really don't feel like they did directly kill anyone um and you know it doesn't mean that there wasn't violence around but they would never used that as their tactic and um, they were always i don't know use their their personalities their charm their um convincing their negotiating skills and that's why chapo trusted them so much
1: so they're working with el chapo uh they're making millions what's what made them flip what made them decide that they weren't going to do this anymore
2: I think it was getting to the stage where it was all getting too much and they didn't have control over things and it's interesting because the way I've heard it from multiple people that were involved in the case to get Chapo was the twins were their decision was either become El Chapo because that's how high they got They were like one under El Chapo. Either become El Chapo, take his place and become the biggest drug kingpins in the world and become another El Chapo, um, or get out of the life and turn against him. And I think that's a really interesting and fascinating way to put it. So that's the decision they were left with. And it was actually Jay who initially... I think both of them... like oh god we need to get out of this life because we're either gonna yeah become El Chapo or get you know I think also or get killed um themselves they had they just you know had their first their kids and um I remember their wives were with them and the wives were saying to me that you know there was just so many people in the house all the time they could never go anywhere um because to get around Mexico you had to give Um, codes to the police because they and to different cartels because there was such rivalries and they got to the point where where they just totally you know they were at the hands of, of El Chapo really and the cartel and I think that they were like what are we doing like we we want a different life for ourselves and and they talked about how they could get out and they just didn't feel like they could get out How do you? I don't know. How do you get out of that life? And it's not as simple as leaving because they would have just been killed straight away. Um, So they were like they Jay watched a documentary about John Gotti and Sammy Mm -hmm. the Bull cooperated against John Gotti, you know, the big mafia boss in New York. And John Gotti, you know, cooperated and got five years. And he killed a lot of people. I can't remember. He killed like I can't remember like double figures people, and they hadn't killed anyone. So they were like, okay, and Jay was like, the only way we can get out of this to Pete is we've got to turn ourselves in, go to prison and cooperate against El Chapo and get El Chapo in prison. Pete was like, nah, you can fuck, what the fuck, you know, you fucking (laughs) crazy. And was like, no. (laughs) And then Jay was like, well, I'm never going to do anything without Pete. And then Pete phones him up a few days later, having not spoken to him and was like, okay, so how would we do it? and then that's how how it started but you know what the cooperation is fascinating because i don't know about you but you have this perception of like well only people only cooperate when they are arrested right because right. then they're forced to and then they get less time yeah let's let let me make this clear the twins this goes back to the beginning of our conversation were at the top they were winning they had so much money they didn't even know how much money they had they like they could buy anything they have money coming out of it, spilling out of their ears um and they voluntarily put themselves in prison to to cooperate against El Chapo to be able to change their life and get out of the life and i again i the us government said to me that if they'd have been arrested and at this point the the police weren't on you know the the feds weren't on them there was no suspicion around them um, you know they the feds weren't after them. I mean they were fugitives, but you know what I mean they weren't like yeah. oh the twins the twins let's go and find them. It was all about El Chapo, right? And you know so they might have been able to get away with it, but if they'd have been arrested, they'd have spent they'd have died in prison, even though they were only in their twenties. So that's how serious it was. They would have got you know life plus, God knows how much, and have died in prison. But they were like, well, you know, if we try and get out of this life, we're also going to be killed. So in the end, they just took the risk and was like, right, we're going to try and cooperate. And they spent seven to eight months in Mexico still working with El Chapo, trying to get a recording of him. But the the feds wouldn't help them because the feds were like, knew what they were doing, but they said, well, we don't work with fugitives, so you're Mm. out on your own. And then they got the only recording of Chapo, and that's how, you know, cutting it right up to when Chapo got um, eventually caught for the second time, um, It the way that he was prosecuted and charged in America was through that recording that the twins made because it was the only piece of evidence that showed, obviously everybody knew, but the hard evidence that showed that El Chapo was dealing coke and drugs in the States and not just in Mexico. Um, but they spent years, years and years cooperating with the the government to the point where the government weren't going to sentence them until they'd caught Chapo.
0: Hmm. So oh, all put wow. on them patching yeah.
2: Chapo for them to be sentenced themselves. So they were in this like limbo in prison and they cooperated for years against all their customers I think it was 54, um, you know, including Chapo, these big drug kingpins and leaders that they managed to um, take off the street. But, yeah, they wouldn't be sentenced until El Chapo was caught. So it all hinged on him being caught for them to be sentenced properly, to be able to serve their time and, you know, start a new life. And, you know, just to remind everyone that these are, they were young. I mean, they're only like 41 now. Mm. So they, you know, they went into prison in their twenties.
0: Wow, wow! So,
2: or they did all this so young.
0: Wow, that's that's, that's incredible. incredible. So, where uh, where are they now? Are they in hiding? Are they uh, in a government protection? What can we? What can you tell us?
2: Um, what can I tell you? Um,
0: <laughs> without getting yourself in trouble.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't want to put them at risk as well. Um, yeah, they they're out of prison. Um, and, you know, they are closely monitored right? and they are, you know, they have their officers who they have to check in with, you know, for, for a period of time, for five years, having come out of prison. They are in different parts of the country on purpose. Yes, they have to be really careful because they have had valid death threats um, serious death threats against them by the cartel their father was murdered by the cartel because of the twins mm. what the twins did
0: mm.
2: so yeah they're trying to live a normal life but what you're going to find out in the second season and I won't say too much about this is that I suppose the consequences of their decision to turn themselves in and cooperate even though they've served their time and through the eyes of the law they've served their debt to society, they. They were in prison. They got 14 years in prison. They testified against Chapo. They got Chapo behind bars. You know, the U.S. government, not just me, but the U.S. government, has said that with complex cases, which I find the cooperation thing fascinating, that without people like Pete and Jay, you know, even though their case was totally president, nobody stands, nobody goes here, here come, to come put me in prison and I'll give you some information. Yeah. So that was the first time it had ever happened. Um, but without cooperation the law enforcement can't do complex cases, which I think is so interesting mm. because they actually need people like Jay and Pete to be able to catch people like El Chapo. Right. Um, That's interesting. That's why yeah. loyalty
0: always seems to be such a huge thing with, you know, mafia and these kinds of operations, these illegal operations. That's why loyalty is, is valued over almost anything, right? Because people- Yeah,
2: because, yeah. People can because bring they down. have all that information. Yeah, because, you know, they, they um, the way the US attorneys put it, who did the Chapo case, said they, they just spent years getting inside JMP's head, every little bit of information to try and figure this out, to try and figure out how to infiltrate the cartel. And, you know, they you think they know things, but then they don't know the insides and outs like JMP did, or like these people that work on the inside, because it's, you know it's these people are really hard to get they're not you know they're not, they're not stupid they run a complex operation and are hard to catch for a reason um but to go to your point is now um there's a big twist in the story because their wives are facing a prison sentence so the twins are out of jail they've been separated they wanted to try and turn their lives around Um, for their kids, for their family, they want a clean life, they want to get out of the life. And um, without realising, you know, the government was, new prosecutors were now tracking the wives and money from old drug debts, Um, and now the wives are facing uh, prison and, and a significant time in prison for money that dates back to 2008
0: Uh, the one interesting crazy thing about the wives is they're both both their dads are in police uh are are part of the police right like it's very breaking bad
2: yeah so Yeah. (laughs) yeah they they were yes they were but then what i find interesting is there's also some kind of connections to the dirty cops Mm-hmm. There was a the big scandal of dirty cops in Chicago. Not their fathers. Their right. fathers weren't. Um, but one of the reasons why the government ended up coming after the wives, and you got to listen to season two of the podcast, because because it's it's so, you wouldn't believe how this happened. And it really explains it in, in fascinating detail. But they got information, the government got information about some, Drug debts that were collected, but by the wives and the older brother, but the money was actually turned into the U.S. government. So the government were aware. So four million dollars got turned into the government by Val, who is Jay's wife, um with the government, and there was a, this promise of immunity. And then all of a sudden, the government, out of the blue, start accusing them of money laundering so it's the the debate is that the government broke the promise of trust you know there's an all or nothing you when you cooperate the government say there's an all it's all or nothing whereas the wives say the government broke the trust because they were the ones you know that gave all this information that cooperated that gave their lives and the government broke the trust because the wives were given immunity not to be charged for anything that the, the 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 husbands did, but now the government are charging the wives for money laundering. And what a
0: crazy! Go and risk. listen
2: to the podcast. I, I mean,
0: <laughs> you're anymore. listen. I want to now. I'm dying to listen to podcast. October fourth is when it will will drop. Surviving El Chapo. Part two. Is there more than one two seasons, or is this a two season run? We got here. Are you gonna torture us? This on... is a
2: <laughs> <You're>
0: gonna torture <laughs> us with a third season here.
2: I don't know. No, I think probably two seasons because this second season brings you right up to this present day. Like something's about to happen imminently,
0: mm. and
2: it will bring you right up to this very, very, very present time minute. And I actually hope there's not a season three because, um, I don't want because I know what a season three would be, and it wouldn't be wouldn't be good. I I want them to be able to to be alive and live their lives. So in a way, I want to be able to end it at season two. What happens at the very end of season two, you know, will will challenge your perception. I think no matter what you think about things, um, or how you view these people. It's fascinating to listen to them and, um, and just makes you think a little bit about, about do we think they're in the right or do we think the government are in the right? It is. It's definitely not, not obvious. Um, yeah. Because you know, the, the, the why, you know, the wires are about to put up, put away. Um, so I actually hope there's not a season three because my God, I don't, I, I'm, Wouldn't I wish that I, on. I me. don't even know what a season three would, yeah, would turn out like, um, But yeah, season two brings you right up to date. And if you haven't listened to season one, um, definitely go and listen to it. I've made a little recap to help people because it is chronological. That takes you right through their journey through prison, takes you through facing Chapo on trial, going face to face to him, what that was like, these crazy things that happened in prison, them getting out of prison to their to this everything that's happened with their wives their current situation um it, and it's there's some really powerful bits in it as well because i got i got to spend time with their children and um you know find out what life has been like like for them too yeah so yeah <laughs> go and listen i mean, i talk about it for hours can't we <laughs> yeah
1: yeah <laughs> um
2: it's like and then this happened and then this happened <laughs> we, we
1: we've t- taken a lot of your time uh but I, I did have one question that maybe we can just cut back into when we're telling the story. But I'm just curious. In the time that they're, you know, as you described, they're making money that's coming out of their ears. Do, did do they enjoy it at all? Like, do you get any sense that there was a time where they were just like, "This is awesome. We are so rich and we could buy whatever we want," or with it, is it just constant stress and constant like? Uh, we could get killed at any minute. Like, wh- what's your sense of people at this level if they're able to enjoy it?
2: Oh God, I love that question. I think overwhelmingly, majority we could get killed at any time, and this is—I think—they live in fight and flight, in hyper vigilance every single day, mm-hmm. and chaos, and and you know, I know from. You know, I've spent two years with the with the Flores family, mm-hmm. and and I I have got to know them re- really well. They know about me too. You know, we we spent you ha- you know you have to to be able right. to yeah make these things and and I think that they made a decision to get out for a reason. They had all the money in the world they could spend, so I suppose that answers the question, right? They had all the one, money they could buy anything, anything in the world they wanted yet they chose to go to prison
1: right yeah they that's...
2: actively said hello can you phone an attorney phone somebody in the federal government to speak the, fed, the feds to speak to us and how we can turn ourselves in and give you this information please please take me to prison right. they were in solitary confinement for the majority of the time like that must have been torturous but that was better than the life they were living. Wow. So I suppose maybe that's answered the question. That's a good and idea. yes, they had all the jewelry in the world. They had massive mansions. But you know, actually, to answer that question, they would buy um they would be in a house, and as soon as something happened, they would have to leave immediately, and they never put the house in their name. They'd leave all their belongings and move to a different house. So yeah. they it was just this constant hyper vigilance and yeah. Survival. So yeah. I, it's I not a
0: great way to live, even though they have all the t- yeah. toys in the world. Yeah. Exactly. So the lesson here is it might seem attractive to get into the drug trade. <laughs> Kids. <laughs> Kids. Yeah. But stay away. Kids, but, yeah.
2: but don't, you know, it your your life is shortened, right? So many there's so many deaths. Um and mm-hmm. it's really it's really sad because, you know, I again, from a wider perspective, I'm like, God has you know taken El Chapo off the streets um you know does somebody else just take his place then right because there's always going to be a demand for drugs and so maybe it's a you know bigger society problem um for, because the demand for drugs is there so there's always going to be these people that right, rise in those positions of power to supply the drugs right but I don't want to end on that on a, that cheery note. note so apologies <laughs> Yeah, on that cheer, you
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> and now yeah. we have fentanyl. Yay! Um, Yay, wait, exactly. Yeah. Well, Charlie, thank you so much for joining us. It's yeah, such wow. a great show. You're so interesting. And thank you for all your great reporting uh, and journalism. And yeah, it's called Surviving El Chapo Season 2. Drops October 4th. Can't wait to listen. Do all the episodes drop at once? Or do you kind of like, Does it? do they kind of come out? They roll out? week by week
2: oh my god i'm laughing because that question so and i'll explain why is the surviving el chapo season two comes out every week and it's weekly and it rolls weekly through to december right okay um so if you want it as a box set i'm really sorry you'll have to wait for december the reason why i'm laughing is because when i release scamander which i know you've both listened to um which was my last show so i was trying to make these th- i was actually making season two at the same time as commander like oh i don't think i've slept all year right. um <laughs> i know, i feel like i'm the one on a hundred phones
0: you know, right 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 yeah exactly yeah. don't go to or, jail um, we don't want you to go to jail but, yeah, uh, yeah. Well,
2: thank you well you can do a story on me if i do go to jail Yeah. yeah that's um, right. <laughs> but the reason why i say that is because People were like, God, just drop all the episodes. I want it as a box set. I need to know what happens next. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I've got to release it every week. So yeah. it's every week, um, 10 episodes every week, uh, starting on the 4th of October. And, yeah, I'd love to know.
0: Terrific. Charlie, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you. My thank you, Thank Thanks you for having me. You've definitely scared uh, John off from a life of crime. So uh, thank you. <laughs>
0: Dirty Money is a production of the Entrepreneur Media Podcast Network. It is produced by Dan Bova and John Small with music by Rich Bova. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Thank you for listening.